Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Gary Bowman for today's message. He took our place. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Woo! Yeah, Easter never ends, does it? Not for us. Have a seat, Paseo, if you want to. You can stay standing. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Yoo-hoo. Hey, we got some newlyweds. Yeah, Matt and De- Diana. Yeah, welcome. Uh, how many days have you been married? Uh, Matt, answer quickly. Uh, 20. 20 days. Yoo-hoo. All right. Congratulations. Good to have you guys back home. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Gary. We want you to open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew. Today is a big day for Paseo del Rey because we are now in a new chapter in Matthew. (laughs) Amen. We finished chapter 5, and now we're in chapter 6. Hallelujah, a day to celebrate. Before Jesus comes back, we might get through chapter 6. But I'd just send him come back before we finish chapter 6. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? We're in Matthew chapter 6. If you, if you didn't bring your Bible, there's one in the rack there, page 970. Um, when you come to our house and when you leave, we give you a warning. As you're going out our front door, if you're a guest, we tell you to be careful. You know, well, bad neighborhood sometimes. Uh, traffic tough? No, that's not it. But our sidewalk has grown, and our, our, our walkway from our house to the front, you know, trees, you know, and roots, and, and we used to have to really warn you because it was just maybe about a quarter of an inch, and then it became a half inch. It was really dangerous, you know. Now it's about nine inches. We don't even have to warn anybody. It's like a stair step, and it's, it's going to be repaired here within the next three or four years, and... Uh, <laughs> So we, we, when you leave our house, we always say, be careful. And I was thinking about that, how we, what, what are things that we need to be careful of? And so I actually had Googled things to be careful about, and I came up across some things. And you can think of some things that you need to be careful of. You need to be careful about who you date. That was one of the, the things that came up on Google. Or you need to be careful, uh, this is my own, how many uh, In-N-Out burgers you eat uh, a week, I always try to keep it like on two hands, no more than two hands worth, right? You ought to be careful about that, right? You ought to be careful what you click on in an email, right? You ought to be really careful about that. You ought to be careful uh, about uh, what school you choose or what neighborhood you live in. And mothers are probably the greatest source. I think it comes genetically when when a mother has a child, all the careful things and, you know, remember the things your mom told you to be careful about? Like, uh, what are some of the things your mom told you to be careful about? What was it? Crossing the street. To, crossing the, be careful about crossing the street, right. Talking to strangers. Talking to strangers. Right, be careful. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> well, you didn't listen to your mom. It's pretty obvious, Danae, right? Right, 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 yeah. What else? Well, say that again. Yeah, be careful with jumping on the bed, yeah. Um, how about, what, what way should you carry the scissors? Your mother said, be careful when you carry scissors. Why? Keep the point down. Uh, some moms warn their kids about cl- wearing clean underwear every day. 
And I've always wondered why that is. So I asked my mom one day, she said, well, you don't know, you might be in a car accident today. And you go to the hospital and they, dirty underwear. Oh my gosh, our name will be a shame in San Diego County. I've never been in a car accident yet in my life, you know. Uh, what else uh, mothers uh, warn you about? What else? <laughs> in the streetlights, come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jesus warns us about something in our passage today. And he, he tells us to be very careful about something. It's, in fact, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. You know, your mother says, be careful and take a sweater so you don't catch your death of cold, right? That's a suggestion when your mom makes it. When Jesus makes it, he makes a command. And, and, and so we find that command in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. And we'll find it repeatedly through our passage. Jesus says in ch chapter 6, verse 1 of Matthew, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And I think what Jesus is saying in, in, in the title of our message today is be careful about choosing your audience. And, and, and what Jesus is teaching us here today, what I want to teach from Jesus today, is that you are, whatever you do, you're doing it always in front of an audience. Whatever you do, you're always doing it in front of an audience. And Jesus knows that, and he's warning us to choose the audience that we live before very carefully, very carefully. So let me read the passage to us. It's uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through um, 6, and then verses 16 to 18. So be very careful, Jesus says. It's a command, it's an imperative, not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, verse 2, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And then skip down to verse uh, 16, 17, and 18. When you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their rewards in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus is teaching us here today that someone is always watching us, and we 
make the choice of which audience we're going to live before. And it's really simple, and, and you, you know it. It's to live in front of the audience of other people for their applause, for their approval, for their affirmations, for their, wow, or to live within, before the audience of God himself. And the choice is up to us. And there's something that's deceptive about our hearts that Jesus has to give us a command to be very careful about this. Jesus knows that our hearts can even take good things and twist them to leverage them so that people will applaud us for the good things that we do. So Jesus is giving us a warning. And what he's doing here is he's giving us three pictures. Now, he could have given us 10 pictures. He could have given us one picture. But he chose three different things. He talks here about giving. He talks here about praying. And he talks here about fasting. And what Jesus is teaching us, now notice that he doesn't say, if you fast, if you give, if you pray. Notice how he says in each of these little scenarios, for instance, in verse 2, so when you when you give. So Jesus is expecting and assuming that his followers will follow him. And these are all things that Jesus did. And when Jesus rescues us, he finds us and he rescues us, and he comes to live inside of us by his Holy Spirit's power, the things that Jesus does, he gives, he prays, he fasts, those things become things that his children do. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you follow him. You do what he does. My, my sons, if they were following me, uh, if they follow after me, then they do some of the things that I do. So you'll see in the passage, all throughout the passage, that Jesus is assuming that these are things that his children do. So let's just talk about these three things just for a couple of minutes, and then we're going to see how we're always tempted to do these things in ways that will bring applause to ourselves rather than to him. So let's just talk about giving. And, and giving is giving is really is, is trusting God with our resources. That's what giving really is. He calls us, in the New Testament, since Jesus came, never a percentage. He never, Jesus never ever in the Bible never in the New Testament ever calls us to percentage giving. That's, a, that's an Old Testament uh, concept that, that ended with the coming of Jesus. What Jesus does is he calls us to give like he gave. And how did he give? He didn't hold on to what he could have held on to, right? His, relation, his glory in heaven with the Father and the Spirit. He didn't hold on to those things, but he poured himself out for us. That's the model of giving in the New Testament. It's generous. It's sacrificial. It's a pouring out kind of giving. It's not about how much can I keep for myself. That's what our culture teaches us, right? Is how much can I keep for myself? How can I be, live a fulfilled life? How can I get what I want? That's what our culture teaches us. But Jesus teaches us something very different. And he says, if you're my follow, follower, then you will follow me. He says, this is what will be happening in your life. You will be a person who is giving. And it was Jesus who said, uh, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, that's really counterintuitive. 
That's really different than what our culture tells me. And that's really di very different than what my old man tells me, right? Because my old man says inside of me, no, it's more blessed to hold on to, to use it on myself, to, to put it into my retirement, to put it into this, what I want or, or whatnot. But Jesus says, no, no, it is more blessed to give than it is to hold on to, than it is to receive. So Jesus is assuming that his children will be giving. The problem is, is that we can even use our giving, he's saying here, we can play before the wrong audience, and we can give in a way so that others will notice, or others will applaud, or others will say, wow. Or if others don't do it, we ourselves will applaud for ourselves. Oh boy, I've really been a I've really been sacrificial. And that's why Jesus with some humor says, look at it, look at it right there in the passage in chapter six, or uh, chapter six. Look, look what he says in verse uh, three. He says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's pretty hard, isn't it? So you're supposed to write a check or, or uh, enter your information online uh, with just one hand and, and then with the other hand not know what you're doing. But he says this, this is so insidious that not only do we want other people to applaud us, but if, 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 if we don't do that, we want to applaud ourselves. So he says, man, separate your hands. So you can't even, so you can't say, oh boy, haven't I been, haven't I been Mr. Wonderful, Mrs. Wonderful here in the giving department? Jesus says, who's your audience? Is your audience yourself? Is your audience other people? Is your, or is your audience God? Be careful in who you select to be your audience. Now, he talks also, doesn't hear here about, about praying, about praying. Verse chapter 6, uh, verse Five. What does he say there? He says, and when you pray. So Jesus, again, assumes just like he did, right? Just like he prayed to his heavenly Father, that you as his follower will follow him in, in taking, taking a pause in your life to, to um, come to your heavenly Father. Now, I, I just have to confess to you, one of my struggles with prayer is I, I'm a doer. I'm a, I'm a let, let's get to it, right? Let's, let's, make, let's, let's make progress on this. I, I'm, I'm a doer. And sometimes, I just, I'll be, be honest, sometimes I see prayer as non-productive. Just, just being really frank here. Because while I'm praying, I'm not able to make lists of things that I need to do, Right? I'm not able to, to write the email that I need to write to some, a ministry, even a ministry email, right? I'm not able to study uh, on, on a sermon. I'm not able to, to work with my kids. Uh, and, and so sometimes we can see, I think if, if we're honest, some of us can see, and I do sometimes, prayer is being unproductive. And, and it's kind of like going to bed every night. It's like, you're not very productive when you sleep, right? But the cool thing is when you wake up in the morning, God's been productive the whole night long, right? And I think, that's, I think that's one reason that we sleep. I think that's one reason we sleep. Because sometimes we can think that the world rests on our shoulders. And it doesn't. It rests on His. And He says, listen, I'm just going to let you just not do anything for 
six or eight or 12 or 14 hours, depending on your age. I'm just gonna, just gonna, just gonna let you just sleep. And then when you wake up, I, I caused the sun to rise again. I caused the dew to be on the grass. What did you do about that, Gary? I didn't do anything. And so I think that prayer in some ways is this like a Sabbath in which we stop being what we call productive and we really get productive. We really get, because we connect with Him in prayer and we, we begin to align ourselves with God. And, and um, oh, you noticed, didn't you, that I left out a section when we read the Scripture. I did that on purpose, by the way. I knew I did that. Verses 9 through 15, the Lord's Prayer. And next Sunday, we're going to take the whole time of the message to talk about how Jesus teaches us to pray. And I just encourage you to put your seatbelt on next Sunday because this is a really dangerous prayer, a really dangerous prayer to pray. Your will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done is this prayer. This is a radical prayer that Jesus calls us to. And, and, it, and it, it's taking time to align ourselves I think that's a lot what prayer is. I don't think prayer is so much um, uh, twisting God's arm so he finally sees things the way we see them, right? Even good things. I I get it. I get it. I'm with you. But I think sometimes that prayer is, I'm just going to twist God's arm so finally he yells, uncle, and he gives in and he gives me what I want. But I don't think that that's the purpose of prayer. I think the purpose of prayer is to align ourselves with his will, with what he wants. And so that he really is working in my life in those times that I think sometimes erroneously are, are um, uh, not productive. And then the third thing that he talks about here in verse 16 is when you fast, when you fast. Jesus assumes his followers fast. He fasted 40 days he fasted right in the wilderness. Now, I know and you know that there was a period of time when he said his disciples won't fast because he's with them, but they will fast when he leaves. So I know there was a period where Jesus, or at least his disciples didn't fast, but fasting is something that Jesus did. It's something that he calls us to do, and he assumes that his followers fast. Fasting is one of those interesting things for Christians. We, we always applaud it, right? That's a good thing. But we, many of us seldom practice it. Why, why do we seldom practice it? Well, a lot of reasons. We get hungry, right? It, it's, it's inconvenient for us. It's, oh, I get a headache when I don't eat. And, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons we don't fast. But fasting has, such a, has so many incredible benefits to it. Um, it has some, uh, some, some very practical benefits. When we fast, one of the things that we often do is we give the food that we would have eaten to people who have little food. Now, so what do you do? Do you make something up and then you take it down to the food bank? You could do that, but probably what is more practical for us to do is we give the money that we would have spent on those meals, we give that to the, to the needy. So it has a real practical effect. Again, part of giving, of trusting God, and of, and, and of, of really connecting with God and saying, God, you are my meat. You are my milk and my meat. You are my meal. I need you more than I need bread. You're the bread of life. And then one other practical thing that comes through fasting, it's just more time with our Father. Think about in a day 
a normal day, how much time we spend um, uh, thinking about food <laughs> in and out burger, uh, thinking about food, uh, preparing for food, shopping for food, cooking food, eating food in a day. And I, 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 and I just make an estimate here, if, if you eat three meals a day. So I, I'm just going to guess, and this, is, this may be way off, but I think it's close, is maybe two hours a day, maybe something like that, right? Cleaning up after you ate, right? And when we fast, we don't have any of that hassle. And so we're able to take those two hours a day to spend with our Heavenly Father. That's significant, right? Isn't that awesome? That you get a gift of two hours a day or thereabouts when you fast that you get to spend with your Heavenly Father. Wow. I, I, I think a lot about your new, next pastor. I, ju I just think so much about him and pray for him and pray for you. And I, I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful if once a month you prayed for your new pastor? Wow. Imagine if you had two hours a month in which you focused in to pray for your new pastor and for Paseo Del Rey Church. Wow. What God might unleash in Chula Vista through this church. And, and, and we're, we're actually going to call you to pray in, in May, to fast, to pray and fast in May. We're going to have some days of fasting and prayer in May as a church. And, um, and, and there's a lot of different ways you can fast. Some people don't eat or drink anything. Some people uh, only drink juices. Some people only drink waters. Some people do it for one day. Jesus did it for 40 days. Ay, ay, ay. That's tough. And so there, there's no prescription. Just like in giving, there's no percentage giving, right? It's same in fasting. What it is, it's, it's to spend time with God. So these are, the, these are the things that Jesus assumes that his followers will do, that he assumes his followers will do. Now, what Jesus is telling us then, so he's just assuming these are going to happen in the life of believers. Now, what he says is when you do things like this and a variety of others, when you do these things, be very careful who your audience is. And you see that, don't you? In each of these three scenarios, you see Jesus warning us to be careful who our audience is. So look in chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. And you see, there's a heart attitude that Jesus is concerned about, that we can do these things with the goal in mind that others see us and notice us and applaud us and go, oh, wow. Isn't he spiritual? Ooh, isn't that wonderful? And Jesus says, be careful because we can go there so quickly. Or, or in verse 2, or when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. Now, Jesus is using humor here because humor is always good to help strong medicine go down, isn't it? It just kind of helps. Jesus is saying a really hard thing here is watch out because we all have a tendency to be hypocrites. We all, there's a part in all of us that we want to be affirmed. And there's a part in all of us that we want to be applauded. Now, for some of us, we want to be applauded real loud. You know, some of us are like that. Some of us just want to be applauded like this, just real quietly, right? But we want to be applauded. But it's just so weird. And we can even take 
these, these very spiritual things that Jesus did and wants and then empowers us to do, and we can turn them into opportunities for other people to notice us. Now, Jesus says something very interesting. When you do that, and so he uses humor, verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I say, they have received their reward in full. So Jesus is creating a hyperbole here, but probably not a long way off. So, so Joe, there is a Joe here. Let's just call somebody else. Uh, who's not here we could talk about today? Okay. Mike. Is there, a, there is. Person X. Is person X here, by the way, today? Is, is Xavier here today? Okay, so person X comes to church, and they come, as soon as they hit the door, trumpets, they, they brought the trumpeters with them, right? You, you see what Jesus, he's just making a joke about this, so you get it. And, they, and they're blowing their horns, and da, 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 here's Mr. X. And Mr. X, right at the right, everybody turns, right? Everybody turns to look, and he pulls a fresh $100 bill out of his pocket. Whoa, he's just waving it around. Oh, you happen to all be here to watch me as I give so generously and humbly to the Lord. Play the, play the trumpets again. And so someone runs up to him and says, oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Thank you, Reuben. No, you're, no, I'm not. Yes. Oh, I'm so humbled. I'm just so humbled. And I come to the front and I pull out my phone. I do a selfie, you know, and I piss it with a $100 bill right in there. Now, is it a good idea to give the Lord a $100 bill or whatever it is? Yes, that's what Jesus wants us to be generous. But he says, watch it. Because if you do that, what's your reward? Well, it, no, I do get a reward. Oh, and then it's gone, right? It's just gone. What, what, does, Jesus, what does Jesus say here um, in verse, uh, verse 6, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 3? But when you give to, uh, or verse 2, uh, don't do it like the hypocrites. Truly, I tell you, you have received your reward in full. That's it, man. When you walk out, I hope, hope you enjoyed it. I hope, hope, hope it. I hope it turned you on, man. Because uh, that, that's it, dude. That's all you're going to get. Jesus says, man. Do you understand the audience that you're performing for? You are performing for an audience who applauds for you. That's what it's about. It's really all about you. And he, he says the same thing, doesn't he, about, about uh, when, you, when you pray. And when you pray, don't stand on the street corners uh, uh, to be seen by others, verse 5. I tell you, you do that. And you've received your reward in full. That's all you're going to get. People walking by you on the street corner. Oh, down on your hands and knees. And you're so pious. And you're even praying scripture. I mean, what could be better than that, right? When people come by and say, oh, that, you know, that guy, he's something else. Whoa, I wish I, wasn't like, I, wish I was like him, you know. Uh, th that's all the reward you're going to get. Man, that's, that's the end. It really is nada, right? There's just nothing there. It just vaporizes. Or, or when you, uh, what does he say in, down in verse 16? And when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. 
I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. You see, there is always an audience. You can't change that. That's what Jesus is telling us here. There is always an audience watching you, but you can choose which audience you want to watch you. You can have the crowd in your family and people around you watch you so you get a lot of applause. Or, for instance, and it's in each of the passages, but look at verse, uh, verse 17. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will be, not be obvious to others that you are fasting. So you're choosing not to show off your fasting. And fasting's good. But don't do it so that others notice you. Instead, um, uh, but when you fast... Put some product on your head and wash your face and button up your shirt so it'll not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father. See, you have an audience. You have two audiences. The crowd or the other audience is God who is always watching, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So you see this guy, he's been fasting, oh, he's been so... And see, it's good intention, good intention to start with. These are good things to do, right? He's been fasting, and he comes into church on Sunday. He comes into church, and I have a t-shirt on, and uh, <laughs> we're safe. And he comes into church, and is, is my hair messed up enough? <laughs> Just the way it always is, right? <laughs> and he comes into church on Sunday morning, you know, Trish, aren't you going to ask what's the matter? Oh, nothing. Nothing. I've just been praying all night long. Carlos, you're not going to ask. Hey, what's up? Oh, I'm, I've just been fasting for so long. Jesus and I are so close just been, oh, and Carlos goes, oh, pastor, wonderful. You're just so great. We just, you, you, you see what, the, I'm, I'm going to button it up now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, you, you, you see, and what, what did Jesus say? No, man, when you come into church, fast, fast and pray and give, give generously, give over the top. But when you come into church, man, put the product in your hair if you need to and, and, and come in and just go, Gosh, Trish, it's good to see. How's your week been? And suffer. You know, if you're fasting, your belly is like, oh, right? And you might have a headache. Suffer with joy. That's what Jesus did, right? He suffered for the joy that was set before him. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. And, 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 and what does he say when we do this? And again, it's in all three of the passages. We'll go back up to, uh, let's talk about prayer for a minute. Back up in verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling. Or excuse me, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Who's your audience? And if your audience is you guys or your family or your friends or other people, nada. It just vanishes. But if your audience is your heavenly Father who always sees 
And he's not like a traffic cop that's following you down the road waiting till you don't put your turn signal on and you make a turn. He's not waiting to whap you. He's waiting to bless you. He's, he's, he's watching because he loves you and he wants you to know how much he loves you and cares for you. That's what he's always seeing and he'll reward us. Now, Gary, what are the rewards? I think that they're, they're future, but I think they're present too. Because when April and I give, there's a reward in the giving. There's a reward in knowing that, that the, the kingdom of God is expanding because we gave up something that we could have kept. Or when I take time out of my day, my, my day that I've got a million things to do, and I take time out of that day to, to come and to be with the Lord and say, Lord, change me and make my, my attitude and, and my agenda your agenda today. Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you. Unless, unless you do it, oh, I can do things, but there's no, they're going to have no eternal significance whatsoever. That's what Jesus tells us in John 15. Jesus, and to take that time, the reward is to know that I'm in his presence. I know that he's with me. And when I fast, the same thing. So there's a reward right now. And I think there's a reward in the future too. I know there are rewards in the future. And what they are exactly, I don't know. You know, Jesus talks about crowns. And, and I think it's, it's an imagery. I, I don't think when you get to heaven that he's going to put a big gold crown on your head, right? It's a picture, isn't it? It'll be better than a crown. And I think what the reward is, is himself. And I think the more I know him and love him in the years he gives me here on earth, the more I will know him and love him for all of eternity. I think the reward is him. Now, I could be wrong on that, but I think that that's really what it is. And Jesus says, when you choose to live for the audience of the heavenly Father, these are your rewards. Um, a few years back, I was up here on a Saturday night. It had been a long week, and I was behind, and I was up here finishing the message on Saturday night up in the office, and then I had to come down to the worship center and uh, did some stuff down here. I don't know, it was 8 o'clock or so. And um, as I was kind of finishing up, I noticed that there was a group meeting in one of the rooms out the hallway and to the right there. There was a group of people out there from the church here, and they were having fun and drinking soda and punch and stuff and whatnot. And uh, so as I was wrapping up, I was kind of feeling, I was having a pity party. You, you know how that is? Like, nobody appreciates me. Nobody knows what I do. And, you know, just all that stuff that happens to all of us. And it's 8 o'clock at night, and I'm tired. It's been a hard week. And, I'm, and I, I noticed this group, and they're just around the corner to the right. And I'm thinking, hey, here's what I could do. I could come out of here and walk out and make a right at the end of the hall, and I bet they would notice me. And that someone would go, as I'm walking out, oh, pastor, what are you doing here so late on a Saturday night? Oh, <laughs> oh, I hoped you wouldn't see me. Where's your car parked again? <laughs> out on the street. Uh, and you're coming this way? Oh, oh, just laboring in the Lord's vineyard. <laughs> I have no idea what that actually means, but I... 
But I think it's a thing you're supposed to say, right? You know, at a time like this. And I'm just laboring in the Lord's feet. Oh, pastor, wonderful. See, they would escalate, right? And I'd go, no, stop. No, stop, right? Oh, and so I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, man, that would really feel good, right? That would really feel good. So I'm thinking, okay, so now how do I, how do I walk out of here? And I've got to be casual about it. And I can't let them know that I'm, like, I can't walk by the windows going like this, right? I mean, that wouldn't, wouldn't be good. So how do I just kind of casually walk by? I could maybe trip and fall, and so my books would fall and stuff, and they would, oh, pastor, wonderful. So, you know, I got all my stuff and had my Bible on the outside, of course. I had a much thicker Bible back then. You know, I'm just, and I'm thinking, right, now how do I just kind of walk casually? Just kind of cool, like, so that they'll notice me. And I, 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 I share this with you because I was wrestling. It didn't get that verbose, that grandiose, of course. But I'm wrestling inside because I'm needy, and you're needy. And Jesus says, Gary, be careful who your audience is. It happens to your pastor. It happens to you. It happens to your spouse. It happens to your kids. It happens to all of us. This need to be applauded. And so, I went the other way. Good job. <laughs> no. Oh, boy. Am I, will I be glad to leave in July 29th? <laughs> There's the reward. There it is. <laughs> you mean the Tesla's not coming? Oh, gosh, I knew it. I knew it. Oh, that's too good. Well, at first service, I told him I wasn't going to tell him. And because of exactly what John just did... <laughs> Oh, I will think about forgiving you, John. <laughs> okay, a couple of practical things then that I wanted to, to take home, for you to take home. Here, here they are. Is, um, so, you're, you're to pray, you're to fast, you're to give. So, so, like, are you not to pray in public? So, so, yeah, you're right. Are you not to pray in public? So, should you not come to the prayer meeting tonight, for instance? Because that would be pretty public prayer. No, you come. But Jesus says, be careful who you're praying for, right? I had a, uh, in seminary, we had this Scottish preacher on, uh, he was a professor. And when this guy would pray, it was like God talking to himself. I mean, he just had this voice and his theology. And I was intimidated by that. I thought, I'm going to be a pastor and I don't pray with a Scottish accent, <laughs> you know? And, and, and I, I just, don't let anyone intimidate you with their prayer. See, I think one of the reasons Jesus says to be secret about your prayer, I think one of the, one of the things he's trying to say is, is, of course, listen to other people's prayers, but prayer is not a competition who's the most theologically astute or who has the best phrases. Your prayer, some of the best prayers you have ever heard and I've ever heard are from our kids around our dining room table. 
Thank you, Jesus, for all the cheese on this pizza. That's a beautiful prayer. Not for a cardiologist, but it's a beautiful <laughs> prayer for me, right? That's a beautiful prayer. That's how I ought to pray. But when I see, when Joel prayed that prayer, he wasn't worried about what anyone else was thinking except his heavenly father. And he was thankful for the cheese on the pizza, right? So we come, but pray to the audience of one of God himself. And the same goes for giving. You know, you don't have to start giving cash uh, uh, only and, and only giving in the dark. You know, you, you, you just give, though. Make sure that it's, that it's his generosity that's bragged on, that it's his sacrifice that's bragged on. Or, or when we, we're going to call you to, to fast in the month of May, part of the month of May. Yes, do it. Come to church. Tell us about, tell us about your fasting. But man, don't, don't put on a show about it. Don't, don't tell us so that, so that people, oh, you're so, oh, you're so wonderful. No, just, just fast to the Lord and share about your experience about what the Lord's teaching you. Now, here, two more things. What about when people do notice you? When you're doing something good, you're doing what, you're following Jesus. Think about our team that went down to Houston. Uh, they went down to Houston uh, here a couple of months ago, and they helped to rebuild uh, a couple of uh, a home and and then a ministry center down there. Now, when they came back, they came on the platform, and we applauded for them. Right now, what do you do when people appreciate you? Is you accept it? Uh, some people go, "Oh, I'm going to lose my reward in heaven." No, not if you didn't if if you didn't do it for the reward on earth. If people on earth reward you, you don't lose your reward in heaven. See, it's about that inside-out heart attitude. Why did, why did those guys go to Houston, the guys and gals go to Houston? Because they were, we wanted to do it before the audience of God himself. Now, do people see it? Of course they see it. Jesus told us in chapter 5, verse 16, do your good works before people so that they see it and bring glory to God. That's why we do these things. Check your heart, check your heart. So when someone appreciates you, man, don't, don't tell them, oh, no, 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 no. False humility is, is, is egotism is what it is. It really, it's, it's just this thing turned inside out. And, and here too, don't rob other people from obeying the Lord. We're, we're challenged and encouraged to encourage one another. And so if you say, no, no, don't say that about me, they're being obedient to the Lord in encouraging you or affirming you or saying that was a, that was a great job. And, and so we even say, man, I praise the Lord. I'm just so glad that the Lord had l let me be part of this thing. That's really cool. But it's him. Yeah, I know it's him. But he used you. You got out of bed. You, you prepared. You went to Houston. Praise God for that. Yeah, that's God working in our lives. And then the last one. What about when you do something really good and nobody notices here, here's the real litmus test. You know the little alarm that goes off in your car when your seatbelt's not fastened? It says, hey, check it out. When I feel like no one appreciates me, that's a warning sign of which audience I'm playing toward. Which audience I'm playing for. Oh, they didn't say thank you. It's a good thing to say thank you. It's a good thing to affirm. It's a good thing to encourage. You should be doing that. But when it doesn't happen, who, who are you performing for? For the momentary applause or for the applause of God himself? 
I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. He says that Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus, would you help us to no longer live for ourselves, for our own audience that affirms us, but to live for you. You're the one who died and was raised again for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you have given yourself so fully and poured yourself out and become a servant to all, that you didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give, to give your life as a ransom for many. Jesus, may we follow you. May we not, may we, we not be reluctant in our giving or our praying and our fasting. But Jesus, may we do it that you would, you are the one who see. May we do it for your joy. May we do it for your pleasure. May we do all that we do so that you would be more glorified, not us. Change us from the inside out, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.